Welcome to the Growing With Purpose podcast. I'm Paul Spiegelman, and we're going behind the scenes with very special leaders, learning about what shaped them into who they are in business and in life. My guest today is Travis Slisher. And Travis is the COO of New Works Mechanical, but we're actually going to turn the tables today. A few weeks ago, Travis asked if he could interview me for the podcast. And while at first I was wondering why he would want to interview me, I thought, you know, why not? And uh, I'm happy to answer any questions. I'm not sure what Travis is going to ask me, but we thought this would be fun. Travis is part of our Leadership Academy in Small Giants is a wonderful person, a, a incredible emerging leader in his own right, and is soaking up the learnings like, uh, like nobody's business. So I'm very proud of what he's done so far, and he's just uh, taken very seriously all the tenets of what it means to be a small giant. So Travis, it's just great to have you. I'm all yours. Um, you can take it from here. Well, thanks for having me, Paul. I feel like it's a real honor to be here with you, um, and it's an honor to learn from you. And so to have listened to many of your episodes um, and experienced those firsthand and to, to be here with you in person is a, a really great honor. So I appreciate your time. And, My pleasure. You know, when I look at your story, I feel like it's a real story of the American dream where you, you, know, you have these um, struggles as an entrepreneur and able to work your way up into this very successful company with Barrow Health. And so from the emergency response systems that you started with your brothers to uh, Barrel Health and then the founder of the Barrel Institute and now the co-founder uh, co-founder of the Small Giants community. Can you take us on that journey a little bit? Can you t- tell us a little bit more about um, your your journey and, and how um, it empowered you to be where you are today? Sure. And uh, as many entrepreneurs, and I'm sure you would, say, you would uh, understand, um, most of it is really unplanned. And while I think even as I talk to young people today who just want to already know what they're going to do and have it all planned out and know what their passion is, I've just realized looking back that my passions in life really came to me and I just maybe took advantage of opportunities, <clears throat> worked hard. Um, and, um, and so it's been a, it's been a great you know, journey so far. Um, I didn't set out to be an entrepreneur. I'm not sure if I even call myself that today. Um, I went to college at uh, UCLA, grew up in Los Angeles, went to law school and actually practiced law for a year and a half with my dad um, and before I started my business with my two brothers in 1985. And my older brother had his own company, an alarm business where he hooked up people's alarm systems at home. And we decided to get into the emergency response business, kind of like that commercial you see, I fall and I can't get up. Remember that? Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, that wasn't familiar. us. That wasn't us, but uh, we yeah. had a similar uh, system that we used because our grandfather uh, was in and out of the hospital, and Mark was this technical genius, my older brother, who developed a system so he could press a button if he needed help at home. And based on his earlier business, said, you know, the three of us could set up a little response center, and uh, we could we could put these units in people's homes and help them in in emergencies. And so, in April of '85, we started a 24/7 business. And we had an eight by 10 room actually in a conference room of the law office I worked at with my dad. And one of us would have to sleep overnight in shifts waiting for calls to come in. And we built this unit in my garage. 
And we didn't know how to sell anything to the public, so we went to local hospitals and had them offer the service to patients that uh, left the hospital. And that's how we started the business, just bootstrapped it and were in, into it for maybe a year, year and a half, and um, weren't making a lot of money. I think we were charging uh, $25 a month and had maybe 100 of these units out there, so 2500 bucks a month is not a lot for three, three guys to get along on yeah. but uh but we managed to kind of keep the doors open um tried to raise money nobody would give us money and uh i ended up working on a saturday night one night and we ended up saving the life of a woman who had been beaten and stabbed and locked in a closet and uh saved her life and got a front page story in the la times and kind of kept our business going didn't make us rich but but kept the doors open again and then what turned out to be our, our bigger business um, was an idea that came from a customer, a, a hospital client who uh, reached out to me and said, I've got an idea. You and your brothers are there 24 seven. Isn't that right? I said, that's true. And she said, and it doesn't sound like you're too busy. I said, that's true. She said, I, I have an idea. And she, it's a, this hospital in the San Fernando Valley. She said, we have a service that we offer to our patients. It's called a physician referral service, but we don't have anybody to staff the phones. Maybe you could put in a phone line, answer the phone for us, give out the names of doctors when people call in. And so we set up a phone line two weeks later. We're answering calls for this hospital and realize every hospital in the country had this kind of service. And so we ended up... Um, starting to offer this physician referral service on an outsourced basis for hospitals. And we became an outsourced call center for the healthcare industry. And so we sold our original business in 1994. And, um, but this business really started to grow in our, in, and we moved to a little larger space in, in Los Angeles and uh, got our big break in, in a year later in 95, when we were hired by HCA, which is the largest hospital company to build a national center for all of their uh, for all of their hospitals. And so we ended up um, doing that for a couple of years, then ended up buying the center from them. And we moved our California operation to Texas, where we had started this, this call center. And, um, and along the way, started another organization called the Barrel Institute, kind of a thought leadership entity. Uh, but at some point along the way, I uh, came upon, I think, what was really my passion in business was this idea of culture and employee engagement. And my brothers and I never really set out to run the business a certain way, but we didn't have any other experience. And it seemed that the way we treated our employees was unique uh, in so much as how they told us we were um, growing the business and really focusing on them. So we were smart enough to realize that we had something here and we could take what had really been a commodity business, the call center business, which is you know not known for high morale. It's known for the boiler room operation and uh, low margins, and um, and said, you know what, we're going to build a company based on value, and and uh, and so that started my journey into realizing that if we could create an environment in which people loved what they did every day, that when things went went south or we had challenging times they would fall on a sword for us. And, uh, and so that really uh, headed me down this road of focusing on leadership and culture as the way to make a company successful. When I hear the story, I've got a few questions, you know, one being, it really seemed that there was a, a drive to, you know, for you and your brother, 
brothers have set up this uh, conference room call center and to sleep overnight, you know, it seems like there's a real drive early in your life um, to, to be successful, you know, just to at least to control your destiny, essentially. Um, is that true to the experience you felt at the time? I think so. I think, you know, look, we all want to be successful. Uh, we all define success differently. We had never been in business and, and didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. Uh, at the beginning, we were making uh, no money. You know, I remember uh, we made, we decided how much we were going to be paid based on height and I was in the middle. So I got $350 a week. Um, and, uh, uh, and so, yeah, we were driven. I mean, I, I think I was always driven to, to be successful, uh, you know, and, and uh, had done pretty well in school. And, um, and even though I got my law degree, practicing law wasn't really something I wanted to do. And, and so being in business was something that we aspired to do. And as, as, as you know, and others that jump into business, um, yeah, it seems daunting to, you know, switch out on a cot 24 seven and, uh, but, but you do what you got to do. And at the time you don't really think about it. You just do what you got to do and you try to keep it going and you really just try to survive. Sure. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. I'm sure so many other experiences are similar for business owners and entrepreneurs. Um, well, how did that lead you to where you are now as the co-founder of small giants? Well, uh, I grew that business. My, my older brother left the business in, in the year 2000. Uh, Mark and went off to do some other things. Our younger brother, Barry, unfortunately passed away from a brain tumor in, in 2005. He was 43 years old. He had actually been diagnosed a year after we started our business uh, in 1986. So now instead of three guys sharing the cot, there were just two guys sharing the cot because Barry started his fight against brain cancer. But luckily, he lived another 19 full years, which was wonderful wow. um, and, until we, we lost him in 2005. And so from that point on, I was growing the business. We, we had grown uh, Barrel Health to the point where we had about um, 400 employees, um, a little under $40 million in revenue. And you know, one thing I'm really proud of is that we did it without any outside capital because, as I said early in the process nobody would give us money and later on when you get some success people are kind of throwing money at you wanting to buy you or invest in you and um and like you said we wanted to control our own destiny and so i never took any outside capital um but i ended up um selling the company to a strategic company in healthcare in 2012 uh and uh and actually went to work for that company, not in running my business, but as chief culture officer of a multinational business with 25,000 employees. So I got to take some of this work I had done around culture and, and apply it in a, in a larger business. But um, along the way, as I said, um, my passion became this idea of employee engagement and culture. And I wanted to tell our story. And back in 2007, I read this book called Small Giants by Bo Burlingham, Companies That Choose to Be Great Instead of Big. And I was just so inspired by that and his stories of these 14 companies who were all privately held, many were family owned, who aspired to grow, but to do so with purpose and values and creating great internal cultures and, and making a difference in their community. And I said, that's the kind of leader I wanna be. That's the kind of company I wanna have. And these are the other the people that I want to meet. And so I had just finished writing my first book 
and I write a blind email to Bo and said, you don't know me, but I just read your book and was inspired by it and asked him if he would consider writing a forward for my book. And he did. And he wrote a beautiful forward for my book and we became friends. And over the next two years, I kept talking to Bo about this idea that there were many other companies that, and leaders that resonated with the messages in his book and that we should try to form a community of these people because that's who I want to hang out with. I want to hang out and find people who feel like me about business and want to run their business and their lives in this purpose-driven way. And so over dinner one night, he finally said, Paul, look, I'm a writer, not a business person. If you want to do it, I'll, I'll uh, support you any way I can. So I think it was back in 2010, we actually started the Small Giants community as a way to bring these people together to identify, um, to collaborate, develop, and teach uh, this purpose-driven business, things that I had learned, not only in running my own business, um, but had learned from other people, other mentors and people that I had come in contact with over the years. And so Small Giants today is really dedicated to uh, people like you, Travis, people like you who uh, genuinely believe in these ideas of purpose and values-driven business, but from a day-to-day -day standpoint are asking ourselves, well, how do I do it? From a practical standpoint, how do I do it? What's the foundation? Where do I start? And so we end up through our Leadership Academy teaching these very practical ways to be a purpose-driven leader, not only to make you better as a leader, but to hopefully have these practices rub off on the, the companies because I feel like my legacy and one of the reasons that I sold my core business, Barrel Health, was that, that I had a platform now to not just make the difference in the lives of the people that worked in my company, but maybe I could have an influence over these leaders of other companies and try to teach them that uh, you don't have to make a choice between culture and profitability. One actually leads to another. And um, there's ways to do that. And the more that we can get on board with doing business that way, we're going to have better, more profitable businesses, and we're going to have a lot more happy employees and other stakeholders in our business. What a legacy to leave where you're able to impact, you know, not only the, the circle that you've created in your business world, but so many business leaders beyond that who then uh, take care of so many other team members and employees. And to take that message, um, you know, beyond your circle um, is so admirable. And I, I just want to see a better society. Uh, and I think that's a great way to go about that. So it's very honorable work. Um, and it almost feels serendipitous that you're able to just send this blind email out to an author and for it to end up to where um, you're able to, to live this legacy at a broader scale. Um, but I wonder where did this sense of purpose, this passion around purpose and, um, you know, really focusing on your employees, do you know where that really developed? Um, can you talk to maybe some of the influences you had growing up that helped instill that in you? Yeah. I mean, people ask that quite a lot and, and, uh, you know, did we have a design on running the business that way? And we didn't. And, and all I can think about is looking back at the way our parents raised us. And, um, and I can look at uh, lessons from my mom, which were really just about hard work and making sure I smiled all the time because um, I was always kind of a serious person, more of an introvert. Um, my dad lessons to me were really about relationships and his, he was uh, so 
impactful with me by saying, always be nice, never burn a bridge and treat people with respect. And so I think that my parents did that with all of us in ways that those values just extended to how we did business and how we treated people. And even when we had 10 or 15 employees at the start, people would say, wow, this is a really great place to work. And we'd say, well, why, what makes it great? And they said, well, you guys seem to generally care about us. And we said, well, okay, well, where did you used to work? And then we start hearing these stories about how people were treated in other companies. And that's when it clicked that there was something different. But, but the influences go beyond the lessons learned. I think just an observing, you know, my dad um, was born in Poland and left Poland a year before Hitler came and invaded and killed, you know, everybody that I, their family knew. And wow. so they, they got out and, you know, I was able five years ago to, with my family, visit um, Poland and, and uh, go to the concentration camps with, and uh, all of that, just incredible stories of resilience and the escaping that and coming to the U.S. and starting from scratch. And just my dad just always had his head down and just was always working hard to take care of his family and never forget how even at after dinner, he'd come home and have dinner and he'd always have a file next to him, like a work file. So even if the TV was on, he was always working on something. And so, you know, the basics, I think that we all have that, you know, good, bad and ugly, just lessons from our parents. And, and I think my parents just raised us with those, those important values of uh, working hard, standing up for ourselves and, and, uh, and, you know, hopefully, uh, were lessons to create and and be better leaders. Um, And, and I think the other thing that you mentioned about me reaching out to Bo is only an example of something I've done many times. And and this is this whole idea of taking a chance. Taking a chance, and I don't mean you know big risks. Like I said, you know we had no money when we started. We had nothing, and so we weren't risky. We were young enough to to start. We didn't own anything at the time. Um, I I think it's great when people later in life start businesses and they've already got mortgages and families and everything. That's great courage. We started earlier than that. But I realized being kind of the introvert, not much of a networker, that the only way for me to learn was to ask questions and to reach out and find mentors. So whether it was that no to Bo or when we got this huge contract to build this national call center for HCA after a two-year process, we we weren't going to win. And I found out that they were going to choose another company based out of Colorado. And so I did something that I've done a thousand times since then, which is I wrote a personal note to the decision maker. And they were based in Louisville, Kentucky, and we were in Los Angeles. And I, and I wrote a personal handwritten note and I overnighted to them. And I said, hey, um, I understand you're going to make this other decision. But it occurred to me that you've actually never visited us. And this is such a big decision. I'm just asking if you would take the time come visit us before you make your final decision. And somehow that clicked. Two weeks later, they came out. And two weeks after that, we had a multi-million dollar contract to build this center um, just, just by reaching out, just by asking. And, and uh, the, the CEO of that organization, uh, who was then CEO, uh, even though we only worked together for a couple of years before he left that company, uh, he became a mentor of mine, and he's now a senator from Florida. And um, 
was governor of Florida for two terms and yet took time for years out of his schedule to mentor me because we developed a relationship. And, and so uh, this idea of reaching out to others and just simply asking for help um, is one of the underused tools that uh, people, especially young people, have in their toolbox because those of us that have had some level of experience are generally more than happy to help anytime. So those were a couple of stories of influence that, that I had um, you know, along the way. And what I hear in those statements is the power of human connection. It's so often overlooked that it's about the professionalism of a proposal or a price point and things of that nature. But I, I hear in your story so often that it really was that um, power of human connection, whether it was with your team members or the request on this, uh, you know, this pricing exercise to win a contract um, and how often that seems to be overlooked. So a uh, great source of learning there. Um, so, with that theme, did you are you able to discuss um, some unexpected learning from an unexpected source? I know this is one of your favorite questions to ask some of your guests, and I love it because I learn so much from these. And I find that most often in my life, when I'm struggling the worst, is when I need to learn the most. And so, it, have you experienced anything like that? Oh gosh, there's just so many examples of that. Uh, you know, a couple I can give you is, uh, and again, back to this idea of relationships. And uh, something that I have said for years is it doesn't matter what business we're in, we're in the relationship business. And um, all of our businesses are going to be commoditized at one point or another. And, and so it's all about the relationships <clears throat> that you build um, in life. And, and that is something that has stuck with me. And I have found that, that I keep, continue to work on and always try to build those personal relationships. Um, but it took lessons um, for me to learn along the way. Um, one example was um, in the early years, my brothers and I would, uh, because I said we couldn't get any investors and we got loans. And uh, so we had a bank loan and the bank loan got to, I think um, about $800,000, which was a lot of money. Uh, it is today and it certainly was back then. Sure. And, um, and I remember the that we were not able to pay it back, and the bank put us in what they call the special assets department, which is basically collections. And what I realized was that we didn't have any relationship with the bank. I didn't understand at that point that when you have a banking relationship, you're supposed to continue to talk to them. You're supposed to make sure that they understand on a periodic basis, how things are going and that they're just not surprised. And that if you build that relationship of trust, then they're going to be more helpful to you when things are tough. And yet, um, when we got into that collections area and had to find a way to scrape and pay that back, it, I learned that lesson that it is uh, really important to maintain all those important relationships in your business. Um, in order to be in the best position possible. Um, uh, another one was um, realizing how important it was in challenging times to protect our own people, our own employees. And there was a time when uh, we had account managers who dealt day-to-day -day with our hospital clients. And we had a, a, a client in Colorado that was really, our primary contact was not very nice to our account manager. So much so that we had we lost two account managers due to them not being treated well 
Um, and yet this was a client that was paying us a million dollars a year. And so I, I got on a plane and I went out to uh, visit that client and um, not the primary contact who was the mean one, but their boss. And, and I, I wanted to try to find a way to salvage this relationship. And, um, and they still wanted to work with us and they thought that they could you know, improve the situation. But I came back and at the time we used to have these monthly leadership meetings and that comprised you know, everybody from supervisor up, about 70 people in the company. And so I, I came to that meeting and I told the, the team about the, the visit I had to Colorado. And I said, you know what, guys, I'm going to leave it up to you because we have a big choice to make. This is a very profitable client. And yet we know that they haven't been treating our people particularly well. I want you to vote whether or not we should keep this client. And so the vote was 69 to one to fire the client. And uh, wow. the, the one person was the sales guy. <laughs> so that's no surprise. <laughs> yeah. um, so I wrote a letter to that customer uh, that day. And I said, look, you know, thank you for all these years of working together and your efforts. And I trust that you do things, think things can improve, but I need to protect our company and, and uh, we're going to, we're going to graciously walk away from this. Um, and uh, turns out that the client wouldn't let us walk away. They pulled out the contract and said, wait a minute, you're on, you're on board for another year and a half and you have to serve us. And so we actually did. And yet, and they completely improved uh, from that point on, never treated us poorly again. But the lesson I learned was the importance of putting our people over our profit. And to, when I made that decision, regardless of the fact that we continue to work with them, I was just like a hero at that moment because people realized what was most important to me as a leader in the company, that I was willing to give up financially to make sure that I protected the lives and um, uh, the well-being of our employees. And um, so, look, there's so many lessons we all have. Um, these are just a couple examples of uh, big lessons that I remember. Yeah, that's a the second one is such a powerful story. I, I love the um, there's so much to consider when you're going to turn away that much uh, financial gain, um, and and for your the trust that's developed between your team and yourself to say I'm here to protect you, and they say, yeah, let's let's move on. Uh, that's a real sign of the type of leader that you are. And uh, especially with the majority vote being 69 to one, uh, it's, a, it's a major statement. So um, thanks for sharing that story. Um, so you've had this amazing journey to, to the place you are today with small giants. Um, how do you get um, a sense of purpose and value from the work that you're currently in? What, what continues to get you out of bed every morning? You know, it's a great question and, and something that, uh, that sometimes I struggle with, Travis, um, because, you know, you hear stories about entrepreneurs who, are, who sell their companies, they, you know, do well financially and, and then um, get depressed or lose a sense of purpose because their, their baby is gone. And um, I'm, I was fortunate that um, when I sold my company, I had ideas of other things I wanted to, to do. And I still loved my company. Um, I had uh, walked away from a, 
uh, a private equity deal a few years prior. But leading up to when I sold the company in 2012, I had started a couple of other organizations, including Small Giants. I had been writing books um, and speaking and doing other. So I felt like I had uh, momentum in doing these other things. And and so um, and that really has kept me going. But there are times when I when I ask myself that question. Um, what is my purpose and, and what's next for me? Because uh, I always feel like that there's another gear left in me. And so um, I'm not always sure that I have the answer to that. I, I will tell you based on what's going on um, currently that um, what we're doing in the small giants community ha- really gives me um, a sense of purpose because as I mentioned, we are really focused on next generation leaders and um, turning into them into purpose-driven leaders and taking advantage of what we know is inside them um, to build successful lives and companies uh, going forward. And we can be doing that for a long time. Um, but one of the things that I'm working on now, for example, um, is that uh, if based on when, when I'm not sure when this episode is going to air, but we're still in the middle of a, uh, the pandemic, uh, with COVID-19. We've been dealing with um, the whole issue of the George Floyd murder and Black Lives Matter. And um, and so uh, like everybody, I've taken a step back and said, what contribution am I making to to that movement? And And I thought, you know, there are so many entrepreneurs that are in underserved communities. And many of them are minorities, whether African-American, Hispanic, et cetera. And while the small giants community itself is a what we call an L3C, a, a hybrid for-profit, not-for-profit, um, one of the things that I've been thinking about and talking about is this idea of creating a scholarship program that I would fund to basically pay for entrepreneurs in underserved communities to go through at no cost to them. Uh, because this is an education that they probably wouldn't have access to or couldn't afford on their own. And, uh, and I think we have to give opportunities to people in these communities uh, to, to be able to have the journeys that you and I are having. And, um, and there's just simply many people that don't have access uh, to that kind of mentorship, to that kind of training and development. And I've been very fortunate in my life to be able to try to t- improve other people's lives. And I still want to do it more. I want to do it in a bigger way. And what a better way than to find these communities uh, that are underserved and to um, be able to put them through this type of program. So um, that's an example of the kind of thing that I'm, I'm working on today. But clearly, we all have to wake up every morning with a purpose because there's, you know, lots of dark clouds that can arise if we don't have that. And so that's a journey that simply will always continue, um, certainly for me. I can't wait to hear more about that initiative. Uh, It's, you know, so often when we're just surviving, uh, you you can't think about the progress because what's in front of you that day is the only thing that's important. And so to offer this opportunity to people that maybe wouldn't have it any other way is a great opportunity for both the small giants community to grow and and learn and for the people that wouldn't have those opportunities. So such a great initiative. Um, So what are some of the challenges you're facing um, maybe, you know, around that initiative or in, in, 
you know, expanding the, the small giants community and getting your message out? Or are there any major challenges you're dealing with? Well, you know, there's always uh, challenges. I think uh, for us, the challenge is how do we find people like you? Uh, in other words, there's no list you can buy uh, of purpose-driven leaders uh, like you can in many other products or services that you are trying to expose uh, as you're growing a business. So we're looking for people that feel a certain way. And not to say everybody doesn't think you know purpose means something to them, but running a business this way is still a minority view. People still run businesses in much more of a command and control type fashion. That's their leadership style. And so we have to find that niche, that slice of people who uh, are interested, willing, and receptive to this. So we have to kind of cast a wide net and find ways to identify these people. And when we identify them, uh, then we know we, we have this subset of people. So you know, we have our, our leadership academy with several cohorts that are running every year, but we want to do it in a bigger way. We want to impact more and more people. And so uh, that's that's where we're um, going to focus our efforts because we continue to improve our curriculum. We find purpose-driven leaders who, are, who lead these programs and help teach and are part of our faculty. They're all practitioners, which is just a beautiful thing to, to witness. Um, so there's wonderful people out there, but like you've seen, Travis, even in your own company, and as you've been out there in the world, um, it's it's hard to find these people who genuinely believe and want to learn how to lead their lives these uh, this way. And so we'll continue to focus our efforts on um, casting that net. That makes sense. It's not you're not selling a traditional product in a traditional pipeline uh, that you can use a marketing resource as normally you know as firms normally would. So I could see that being um, extremely difficult at times. Um, so you, you talked about this continual growth and and uh, this you know you want to um, continue down this path of being able to help. And so if there is something you can put your finger on that you want to still improve on, could you name it? Well, yeah, there's lots of things I could improve on. Um, you know, it's it that, again, that's always part of the journey too. One of the things I did um, a few years ago is I jumped into the restaurant business, and uh, we have a home in Southern California. And I, I I worked in restaurants in college and law school, and said one day I'm going to own a restaurant. And so I uh, I joined someone who's who's owned and run a, a restaurant for many years uh, that's in the town where our home is. And we became 50-50 partners. And um, it's been really fun for me to be a part of that and, and learn and grow. But I also came to the realization recently, I'm not a great 50-50 partner, you know, um, not so much from a control issue, but I realized that uh, I did I did have, I was able to kind of carve my own way and manage my own destiny. And, and so when you're in a partnership, it's very different. And I've had to learn how to really step back and know that things aren't always going to go my way. And I'm not always right. Uh, I knew that anyway, but that you really have to take a step back and, and really consider someone else. Um, you know, I'm at a different point in my life than my partner is where he's still trying to, you know, raise a family and, and deal with all that life's going to bring to him. And, and really, I didn't get into this for the money. I only got into it really just to try to help him achieve his dream. 
but it has been a struggle for me at times, honestly. And it's been a, 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 uh, a big responsibility for me to feel uh, obligated or responsible for someone else's well-being in that way as, as a partner. So I'm still trying to work through how to, how to become a, even a better business partner. Um, and then even on a personal side, you know, we, we talk about mindfulness and, and something that I've learned a lot over the last few years. Um, but like many of us in business, our minds are racing all the time. And I'm not always paying attention the way I should, right? When, when my wife is talking or my kids are talking and, and just to try to be present in the moment, um, paying attention, really focused on what I'm doing at the time and, and not always just thinking forward to what I want to say next or, or what's, what's going to be happening down the road. And so that's something I, I really am continuing to work on and hopefully I'll, I'll continue to get better at. So the, it's pretty amazing to hear someone of your stature that has been this uh, lifelong lessons in business to still say there's still learning to be done. And I, I'm still learning about partnerships and how to compromise. Um, it's, it's really humbling knowing that that's a that lifelong journey. Um, and the mindfulness piece is something that we can all improve on. And I certainly struggle with. And um, one thing I'd like to share with you that I'm, I've been implementing here recently is that I just want to take care of the person that's in front of me. And so being very deliberate with the time that that person is in front of me, knowing that I don't have any other moment besides that one has really changed the way that I interact um, in my day-to-day life. And if that person can turn around and do the same thing, we have this infinite cycle of caring um, that I'm, that I'm learning about. And so uh, I, I don't think you're alone in that mindfulness and presence struggle. Um, but still I, love very that. I love that. I love that saying, I want to take care of the person in front of me. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so there's been so much learning that I've been hearing through this, uh, this conversation. Uh, but if there was someone just starting out um, down this leadership journey, you know, any age, any position, um, if you had a piece of advice that would kind of, um, you know, maybe that blanket statement, do you, do you have something you could share? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's just a combination of many small things. I think it comes back to relationships. Relationships are incredibly important. Uh, I, I remember as I've been doing speaking engagements, particularly to students, college students or MBA students, and I'll come, I'll have a line of 20 people coming up after me to say hello and hand me their card and ask me if you know, they can pick my brain one day. And I say, absolutely, here's my card. Please reach out. Well, out of those 20, how many reach out? maybe one, right? And that one person I'll have lunch with and they'll be incredible. And I just feel so great about the future and everything. But I think if people really reached out and, and understood the power of the relationships uh, to, to be responsive, right? So many people, to, even today in business, you know, don't return an email or don't feel like they need to respond or don't need to respond quickly. I just was the opposite. I was always the quickest one to respond, maybe too quick sometimes in my business and still in my life. I just think that's just really important to do. Um, finding mentors, you just be surprised. Just about anybody you ask to help you will be more than willing to help. And the last thing I would share, Travis, is this this idea of fulfillment in life. And And we may not ever know when we're there, but that search is so important and I don't want anybody to settle. And whether you are uh, gonna 
change what you're doing completely and go start a business or you're simply working in a business and you're not happy and you're not sure what you should do, uh, or you're a student wondering what it's going to be like when you get out there in the world, uh, there are wonderful companies that act like small giant type companies that are purpose and values driven and exist to enhance the lives of the people that work there. And if you don't feel that that's the situation with you, I want you to have the courage to get up and make a change at, at whatever point it is in your life. You know, they say about millennials that they are fickle and they job hop and everything. Well, good for them. They're trying to make a world a better place. And if they don't find the ability to do that where they are, then I applaud them for looking for that real home. Because when you get to that home, you want it to be home sweet home and you'll know it. And if you don't have it, then you got to keep searching. And I know it's easier said than done. I know times are tough, economy is tough, et cetera. But that search for fulfillment and being selfish in that way to know that it starts with you is really critical. So those are the things that I, I would share with people. That makes perfect sense. I mean, time is the most pr precious commodity we have in this life. And to be in a place that values an individual for their worth and is really purpose-driven and, and values-driven that you know you can be um, comfortable in uh, is a gift. And, and to continue searching for that and not being fulfilled is great advice. Um, well, I want to recap a, a little bit with what I'm uh, taking away from this conversation because, again, there's been so much learning. Um, but, you know, you you really proved how you were driven to succeed from an early age there, you know, when you got started with ERS and, you know, willing to sleep on a cot and do whatever it takes to survive, um, you know, something that everybody can – look at in their entrepreneurship and probably point to as part of their reason for success. Um, you know, you, you had this business idea from an outside source, you know, from your, from your client that actually said, Hey, you know, I, I need some help in this area. Would you guys be willing to? And, you know, I love the humility in that it wasn't, um, you know, it didn't have to be your idea and your, um, you, you had, did have to have complete ownership of it. It just shows a real humility uh, that you're willing to operate with. Um, you know, this, the, the culture and the employee engagement, the passion that you've exhibited from an early age and how that tied into um, the way your parents raised you, you know, your mom's advice of hard work and, and to smile and your dad's emphasis on relationships. And you've echoed that time and time again through this conversation. Um, you know, the, the one thing I have here in bold letters is taking a chance. Um, so often we don't want to reach out or, you know, we don't want to follow up on something because the, the door feels closed. Um, and you, you stated, you know, not being risky, but just taking that chance and, and uh, also connecting on a personal level with those chances. Uh, I know that I can really learn from those statements. Um, you, you continue to reinforce this idea of the power of human connection and relationships. Um, and, and then how important it is to protect your people when you need to stand up for them and to show them that you care about them and those tough decisions, um, the trust that that can be, uh, that can be gained from that experience is, is really critical. Uh, I love that you're still learning and you're learning about your partnership and the like, compromise and this uh, mindfulness and uh, the ability to pay attention with in the moment. Um, and this, this advice about, you know, being really, good with your correspondence, uh, responding quickly, responding often, and then uh, chasing a fulfilled life. Uh, there's, there's so much to be learned in this conversation. You, have, you obviously have a lot to, to pass on to future leaders and next generation. So we really appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, oh, my pleasure. I think it's just because I'm old. 
<laughs> so I've, <laughs> I've had a lot of experience. Well, so much wisdom to pass on. Um, but, you know, P- Paul, personally, I wanted to, to, to thank you. Um, I've got a few statements here from some other people within the Small Giants community that I reached out to, and they talked about how you've made an impact on their lives. And, you know, one of our cohorts, um, uh, Brenda, she talked about how you had done some one-on-one coaching with them, and you asked such insightful questions that helped them gain perspective. You know, you were able to assist them with a, you know, a values rollout initiative there that would have taken longer and much more learning on their part. But with your guidance, you helped them get through this exercise and get buy-in much quicker, which helped um, her be recognized as their CEO as the, the culture champion within the company. And so she, she's, you know, really um, talked about how much of an impact you've made on her. Um, the same with Tony. He talked about how, you know, you have this great balance of being a strong leader, but yet heartfelt and able to connect with people at a personal level that is, is so genuine that uh, isn't, isn't really common. And so it's inspired him to lead in the same way. Um, and your insight in teaching on mission, on mission, you know, vision and values, the foundational items um, with that experience that you just discussed is so helpful in avoiding 40 years of experience. And so Tony's talked about how that's really affected him. And for me, Paul, you've made such a, a profound impact on me because I've looked for this community, the one that you've worked so hard to, hard to cultivate, uh, that I didn't know existed. I thought that my desire for uh, meaning in my work and meaning in my life was just, you know, wasn't a priority in society. And, and maybe I, I just didn't feel like that was something I would probably find. And so meeting you and meeting the people of the Small Giants community have really shown me that um, it's, a, it's an extremely uh, important ask of yourself to, to look for that fulfillment journey. And I, I know that I found that here in the Small Giants community, and you've reinforced that for me. Uh, but I'm also very honored and humbled that you would invest in me personally through the Small Giants Scholarship Program. And I just wanted to, to from the bottom of my heart, express my gratitude for your willingness to invest in me and all that you've shared and, and learned and helped me grow. Well, thank you so much, Travis. It's my pleasure. Um, as I've said, you're a wonderful person um, and uh, it's our pleasure to support you and uh, look, you know, to be in a position to give back in a way that I can um, try to give people some of the tools that I've learned over all these years um, is the greatest joy that I can have. And it's, and it is just those individual stories that you told um, of Brenda and Tony and you, and, and that's, that's what makes life worthwhile for me. And I want to just be able to continue to do it. And it's not that I have anything special other than I have, I hope what are good values and I have experience in most situations that have come up in you know these small and medium-sized businesses to know that if we let those values drive us uh, and and the decisions that we make, then generally good things are going to happen. We all have challenges in our businesses, in our lives. Um, I've certainly had many and continue to have those. But when you're in the position to try to give back uh, and share some of the, my learnings with others, um, it's really what uh, makes life so special right now. So uh, I really appreciate uh, your time, your great questions today. Uh, my one note for you and my learning from today is that I want to take care of the person in front of me. And that's a, a, just a great, a great 
uh, statement. So, uh, Travis, thank you so much. Well, if we can end with your standard five quick hit questions, um, can you name a leader that you look up to? Yeah, well, I would say, I mean, certainly my dad, um, but um, from a business standpoint, I would say Herb Kelleher, um, uh, so formerly who's now passed away, but from Southwest Airlines, because he was someone who um, walked the walk um, in a big company who just clearly had love for his employees and made that the hallmark of how he ran his business day in and day out and showed up in the results that they had. Um, so he's one that I think about all the time. Excellent. Uh, name a great book that influenced your leadership style. Well, there's a lot of great books that uh, that all of us read, but one of them that um, I was just thinking about this the other day, probably 20 years ago, I don't even think it's in print anymore. I was part of a CEO group and we had a speaker that came in and he had written a book. He used to work for FedEx. He was a senior executive for FedEx and wrote a book called You're the Greatest. And it was all about telling employees you're the greatest and and making them feel good about themselves and understanding and listening to them. And I think that was an aha moment for me that that's the best way to run a, a successful business. I wonder if that wasn't some of the inspiration for, um, I believe your title is The Patient Comes Second. Is that correct? Yeah. Gotcha. That yeah. makes sense. Uh, what's your all-time favorite movie? All right. This one's probably um, not shown up on any other list, but it's probably the movie Swingers, um, which was uh, with John Favreau and Vince Vaughn. I and recall. it's kind of a cult, a cult classic um, um, from the 90s where these guys had moved from New York to California and just a slice of their life. And it's just because I identified so much with John Favreau's character in it. Um, that it just became one of those movies that I that uh, really became my favorite. Um, I think second would probably be Pulp Fiction. Oh, great movies! I think uh, Swingers it makes me feel like that awkward comedy that you know you can relate to, but don't necessarily love it. That you relate to it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I can admit it. I relate to it in many ways. Yeah, there we go. Uh, what's your favorite TV series to binge watch? Well, I'm, I'm having trouble finding anything right now, but if I just look back at my favorite series ever is The Wire okay. uh, from HBO. Just awesome. Uh, best TV I've that. ever seen. Yeah. Okay. Check it out. Uh, and then what's something about you that people don't know? Huh. Um, well, generally I'm pretty open, but uh, I did spend the night in jail once. <laughs> okay. So uh, back in college in my fraternity days, we, uh, we were asked to steal a street sign and uh, I was the driver and we got caught. And so we spent the night in jail. And, uh, and uh, one of the things that we had to get on our little scavenger hunt, in addition to the street sign, is we had to uh, pick up a pizza and it had to be hot. So that was the last thing we were going to get. So when we had a phone call, our one phone call we used, we called the pizza place and made sure that they delivered the pizza to the fraternity house on time. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, so I've seen the inside of jail. Um, and that's, that's about it. Well, way to follow through with the obligation. Um, I love the dedication on following through there. Uh, Paul, I'm so grateful for your time today. Thanks for having me on the show and thanks for all the knowledge you're willing to pass along to us. Well, thanks for uh, turning the tables and, and you're a, you have a great future as an interviewer, Travis, um, continue your wonderful purpose filled journey. Um, as an entrepreneur, I know you're going to have tremendous success. Uh, in business and in life. So thank you as well for doing this today. And thank you for joining me on this episode 
of the Growing With Purpose podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please support the show by subscribing to hear future episodes. Until next time.